Hey there, enjoying SPO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And so I am here, Dr. Jack Guy Mitchell, along with the esteemed John Bercato. And today, well, I don't want to give it away, but you know what? I These podcasts, John, are, these episodes, I should say, are just so enlightening um, when we have them for ourselves, even for sometimes the folks who come on, our guests. Right. Um, and this does not disappoint. So um, let, let, let us just know who we have on today. Yeah, today is a new one for us. And I feel like we say it a lot, but today we actually have a joint podcast for all of you listening. Um, we are teaming up with Dr. Brian Graham. He is the host of Achieving Joy and Mastery in Public Education, a podcast that he started in the Western New York region um, and has really flourished with sitting down with multiple educational leaders, superintendents, teachers, administrators. And we thought, what a great idea to bring our podcast and his together and really discuss the role and relationship of the superintendent and the school business officials. So we also have Dr. Ruby Harris with us on the podcast. Uh, Ruby Roo. Yeah. Brian's business official. <laughs> She's been on the podcast. What was it like a year and a half ago or something like that? Something so, like that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're happy to have her back on, but we really dive into the superintendent business official relationship, the importance of the trust and the communication, the transparency. And we mm-hmm. do at the end discuss a little bit of the federal funding and how they're dealing with it at Grand Island Central Schools. So a really fascinating conversation and we're excited to bring this to you today. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Brian Graham, Superintendent of Schools at Grand Island Central School District, and Dr. Ruby Harris, Assistant Superintendent for Business at Grand Island Central School District as well. We're so happy to have you both on the podcast. All right. Hey. Well, Thank you. We are thrilled. Hey, I got to I gotta start off by thanking both of you. You, you guys broke... Uh, you you broke the mold on creating uh, pertinent uh, podcasts that are uh, being consumed by school business officials and superintendents, first in New York State and I guess now throughout the United States. So congratulations to the both of Thank you. you. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much for I that. Think I think that's uh, it's awesome. Uh, I did reach out uh, to John and he gave me some advice and that helped me get started on uh, our Erie Niagara School Superintendents Association's podcast, which is called Achieving Joy and Mastery in Public Schools. And nice. John, without your advice and counsel, I would have been lost. So I appreciate everything you did to help us get started. Uh, well, thank you for that. And, and um, I have to say, being a listener, subscriber to your podcast, uh, you really hit the ground running. I, I remember listening to your first episode. I'm like, wow, he's putting me to shame. The quality of the the audio and just the production is just uh, <laughs> it's just awesome. So uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it and uh, glad to have a fellow podcaster on. So for those listening, um, we're doing a joint podcast. So this audio will be published on both of, of our podcasts. So we're excited to kind of so do a, a hybrid here. Double. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double yeah. the fun. So, so maybe uh, Brian and Ruby, uh, can, we really wanted to focus on the superintendent business official relationship today. 
And it, it's such a critical piece of a district's operation. So before we kind of jump into that, uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of your background and how you arrived at, you know, maybe Brian, you being superintendent here at, at Grand Island and, and then Ruby, maybe follow that up. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I consider myself fortunate to work with uh, Dr. Ruby Harris. Uh, when we first sat down and started talking about uh, whether or not she'd be interested in coming to Grand Island, one of the key uh, components that she shared with me that has resonated and has been true in all the years that we've worked together is her desire to be a student as well as a leader. And she is continuously involved in uh, improving her craft on a daily basis. And uh, I just want to share some some good news with the audience. She was just uh, just received uh, the certified administrators, uh, certified administrator of school finance operations certificate. And Jack, did you also just get that? I got it last year. Uh, so congrats, Ruby. Yeah, congratulations, SFO. Ruby. One of 10. One of 10 in the state. Big, big um, hats off to you there. Thank yeah. you. Congrats on that. Yeah, it really is something. So when you work with leaders who see themselves as continuous learners, as well as awesome leaders, uh, the district can really get on a on a on a pathway to becoming a championship school district. And we talk a, a lot about that here in Grand Island, that the operational definition of a championship school district is that everybody is working to improve and to become continuous learners each and every day. That's all of the adults and all of the students associated with the work that we do. And when you have that uh, happening throughout every aspect of the organization, uh, you're, you're, I consider it to be a championship school district. So working with Ruby has been uh, fantastic. So, And, and Ruby, Brian, maybe... I'd, I'd be remiss. I, I agree with you on the championship school district because it is my alma mater. So I did go to Grand Island High School. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another plug in. I like that. All right. We should do so, more of these. So listen, wow. It feels like maybe the podcast is over right now. All these glowing <laughs> acclamations and, and accolades. Wow. But, you know, get into really the nitty gritty of it. How would you, I guess, from both ends, qualify what would be an effective superintendent SBO relationship? Yeah, I'll start and then we'll see what Ruby thinks. Um, <laughs> Hopefully I, they're similar, I, right? Like, <laughs> well, you know, I think a superintendent needs to know where their strengths are and where uh, gaps in learning needs to improve. And uh, whether that's in curriculum or in school business and finance or pupil services, there are always things that superintendents can learn from a good team. One of the key components, I think, working with Ruby is just trust. You know, it boils down for me to just, you know, uh, trust. Uh, and that comes with competence, exceptional competence. It comes with uh, Ruby's ability to say no to me, right? <laughs> to say no. She says and, no? That doesn't sound like Ruby. <laughs> I've known Ruby for a Wait long time. A I've never heard her say no. I don't no. want to interrupt you there, but this is serious though. You guys are real funny today. <laughs> oh my goodness. And and it's so important, right? You know, if I want to buy uh, Rolls Royce school buses and, you know, she needs to be able to come in and say, hey, what are you doing? You're out of your mind. True, true. Uh, and, and so to have that trust, knowing that uh, she can share with me, you know, ideas and uh, important 
elements that make us better, but also keeps the checks and balances uh, appropriate. Uh, I think that makes us a stronger team when we go to the school board with ideas and uh, ways to improve the district. So I'll pass that over to Ruby. Ruby, what are your thoughts? Um, I would say that one thing that works extremely well for Brian and I is his ability to listen to me, right? Um, he doesn't always go in the direction <laughs> that I'm trying to to guide it in, but I know when I come and I sit down with him that he is listening to the items I'm expressing. He's taking that information in. So maybe it's a yes to something that uh, an initiative or a program, but it's still in the back of his mind, the information that I've shared with him. Um, another thing is when he does and understand something, he's very comfortable saying, yeah, no, right, right, rewind, right. start explaining again, which also helps me um, to be able to articulate that when I'm speaking to the board and to the public, because everyone doesn't have our certification. Everyone doesn't sit and read and, and comb through things the way we do. So sometimes I'll explain things and I'm in my head, I understand it perfectly. Uh, and to others, they'll be like, could you just go a little bit deeper or mm -hmm. um, make it a little bit simpler? So that upfront communication, his ability to listen, um, our ability to be very open and honest and the trust factor all just mold together. Ruby, I think it's your turn awesome. to respond to that question. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening. Yeah, I wasn't listening that time. <laughs> How's it going? No, and I think that's, those are all great points. And I think the reciprocal relationship and that mutual trust is critically important uh, to a successful relationship with the superintendent and the SBO and just the cabinet team and the district as a whole. And that kind of brings me to my next question. Ruby, you had mentioned that, you know, we really kind of get in the weeds and focus on these certain aspects of our jobs, one of which uh, is finance. Uh, we do oversee a lot of the operational pieces of the district, but finances are a huge portion of our work. So my question for the both of you is, where is kind of the balance of knowledge when it comes to finances? Because oftentimes superintendents have a strong working knowledge of the budget. They present the budget to the board and to the community, but the, the business official is really the individual behind the scenes kind of working the numbers and making sure that the initiatives as you, as you spoke to are achievable when they're presented to the board. So where do you kind of draw that line with the general knowledge versus kind of leaning on each other in those areas of expertise? Yeah, I, that's a great question, John. When we present to the board, Ruby and I have uh, slides that uh, incorporate everything from enrollment to operations to uh, the finances. And we definitely delegate uh, those speaking points uh, between the two of us. Uh, Ruby really does uh, present all of the information related to finance, everything from tax levy and the formula around that to foundation aid. And uh, I talk more about uh, the school, uh, the operations, enrollment, uh, and all of the initiatives associated with the wants and the needs of the district. Uh, and I think, Ruby, that, that partnership works pretty well. Yes. Um, I usually leave the part where every... So here at Grand Island, um, we I call it a wish list. Um, every department head, every administrator is able to provide the uh, not just things they would like for the upcoming budget, but future budgets as well. And we present all of those items to the board. So the rollover component of the budget, um, revenue areas uh, I focus in on, and uh, 
Dr. Graham here does the uh, wish list items because there's a part that I understand the numbers, but the program side or the rationale for why people are requesting some things, um, he is stronger in that. So he'll go through that list. If there are questions in reference to why certain numbers are the way they are, I'll jump in and we just flow off of one another. Yeah. So, so you guys actually present together? Like we as do. far as like there's a component where you are actually presenting in front of the public and then you as well, Dr. Graham. Oh, that's great. I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's different everywhere you go, but that's a real good synergic relationship then for certain. And just real quick too, the so you mentioned these wish list items that are more than one budget year. So are you kind of how far out are you looking um with these wish list items? And do the are there's are there recurring items that kind of come up year after year as you try to fit them into the budget? That's really interesting that you're kind of saying, listen, this is something we may be looking at in the next three years, but we want to talk about it now. Just, you know, no surprises. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Uh, we use Ruby creates a chart that is on display. The The board members each have a packet, but also it's uh, viewed by the public. So uh, sometimes in our first uh, presentation to the board, all of those wants and needs are are displayed in the current, you know, in the current year's request. And then the next time, you know, we sit <laughs> with the board, Push them on over. <laughs> we start sliding some of those wish list items to uh, future years. Uh, the most recent uh, presentation had uh, future capital project ideas listed, as well as uh, ideas for uh, July 1 and then ideas for uh, July 1 of 2024. So um, so that's really great. I know the board members like to see it in that way. They, uh, The board members bring uh, the previous year's uh, presentations with them and they compare and contrast uh, the, the items that were discussed. Um, and I think that's a, it's very transparent, I guess is the best way to put it. Even if an idea, you know, like I joked earlier, Rolls Royce school buses, even if somebody said that and they, they felt that in their heart and they wanted that expressed, we would express that to the board. Uh, and the board is understanding. They understand that some things are truly needs and some things are truly wants. And then they seem to understand that the administrative process mm -hmm. for the next meeting has thought in advance to either, you know, take out items or not. Actually, we don't really take them out. We just move them forward. Sure. And we also um, have that discussion with our other administrators, like your building principals. We try to have that discussion with them before the next board meeting. So it's not everybody is learning about it at the same time. What was what was reviewed and said, hey, this is going to be a next year uh, movement. It allows people to um, kind of provide their case of, hey, can you wait a little bit, see if anything changes in funding because it is actually a necessity versus just something they want. That's great. Well, I think that's key. I mean, you know, what you mentioned and alluded to, Brian, about how that transparency, you know, it's, it's great that you you show, and I think this is something I learned in another district myself, the importance of those decisions and how they're made, how, how they are prioritized, if you will, because that's the key. That's where your two jobs come into play and really puts that focus on, hey, these are the hard decisions we have to make, but we're going to make them in the best interest. We're going to work with the board, and it's completely transparent. I think that's... That's really good. Good job you guys are doing And just that. make sure right. your Rolls-Royce school buses are electric, and I think you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, they have to be. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah right. For sure. Right. Rolls-Royce. <laughs> so, so I, I want to kind of jump into this question now. I'm moving in, uh, segueing here. So we talked about the school finances um, and how you present there and make those important decisions. 
But what other aspects maybe of the superintendent relationship uh, that maybe are lesser known but are just important? Well, what do you think, you know, to that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great. So obviously the role of the business official can vary in the size of the school district. Uh, here in Grand Island, not only is Ruby, you know, the leader of our finances, but she's also uh, the person that oversees transportation and food service and buildings and grounds and technology and uh, probably a couple other things <laughs> that I forgot to mention. Um, so that's really important. And I think, you know, uh, I'm sure all of us here understand that. And uh, when it comes time for an evaluation, a formal evaluation, uh, Ruby and I use an ASBO um, uh, evalu evaluation tool, but we also uh, look at it and say, wow, these elements in that tool don't apply. So we're not going to use those elements and the other components do uh, you know, apply to the evaluation. So to your point, it's just not about school finances. It's truly about leadership and leadership in those other important aspects of the operation that are critical to the success of our, our students. Yeah, I would say, um, I think usually just based on the title, people think that's all that we do in our districts. Um, our, our roles change constantly um, as state mandates change and new things are brought forth. Um, it changes for us. So uh, Brian's office is footsteps from my office. We chat daily. If there's a day we haven't chatted, so it's that's actually the kind key. of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be... Um, Proximity. If, I, yes, I do think that's important, right? Um, and for me, it is because I don't want to walk all over the building to finally <laughs> find you, right? So, and I'm trying to hide all over the building. <laughs> it's like, why are Brian's lights off in his office all the time? Yeah. And it's, it's not even like I'm, I'm coming every day, like I need him to give me guidance or direction, but I'm just keeping him in the know of what's occurring, right? Um, we both serve on many different committees um, in Anything from our food service committee, uh, which has really been focusing on paying down um, negative fund balance debt that we've had for many years yes, indeed. Um, on Grand Island, as well as capital project meetings. So it's just, it, it's constant and it's everything. I don't look at things as, hey, there's not a financial line, so I shouldn't bring this up to the superintendent because that's my key area. It's more like, hey, this impacts the school district. I need to make sure I'm communicating that. And then whatever flows over kind of flows over. And I right. think uh, the the one thing, I'm glad you mentioned capital because, you know, we're working not only on large capital projects that have, you know, been in operation for a few years, but we're also developing the small capital outlay projects. And, uh, take, you know, put that in its own uh, parking lot I forgot to mention self-funding of healthcare, and that's an all-consuming uh, role that Ruby and I share uh, in leading the district uh, with that initiative, and and that involves a tremendous amount of leadership, working with uh, the the leaders of the teachers' union and our. SRP and our administrators working collaboratively with the health providers to have a tr as transparent as possible look at that self-funding of healthcare. So uh, the role that Ruby plays is uh, very diverse, and uh, you know it may it may you know not look the same in every district, but uh, that 
that goes back again to the trust that I have in her to be that leader and to have that expertise. That's great. And, you know, having been in a self-funded district myself, you're, you couldn't have said it any better. That's a, that is a huge, huge undertaking and consumes a lot of time. Uh, Absolutely. It's good, good to hear that you have a strong working relationship with your union leadership, because without that, especially with self-funding, it's just, it's a very, it's a behemoth. It's a, it's a challenge to make it work if you don't have that relationship. So I'd like to just transition a little bit back to finances specifically. And this affects districts nationwide. And what I'm talking about is the federal funding that school districts have received over the past couple of years. There have been major windfalls, unprecedented amounts of money that have been coming into school districts across the nation. And now that's starting to wind down a little bit. The communication of this funding has been critical, uh, both from a state mandated perspective and just really letting the board and the community know how districts are effectively using this fund. So now that these funds are starting to kind of wind down. How are you both transitioning back to the use of your general fund, your general operating budget? And how are you messaging this transition to your board and to your community? Oh yeah. Great question. I'll, I'll just start and pass it over to Ruby <laughs> because she definitely has uh, the granular details uh, that are coming our way. And I think you both would agree coming our way on a regular basis, which maybe should have been, you know, given to us by state officials before we made certain decisions, right? Um, it, it almost appears as though they're building the plane in the air uh, as uh, yeah, before it's uh, fully uh, completed. Uh, but with that said, um, I think what was important, and Ruby and I were on the same page when this started, is that whatever initiatives, whatever um, whatever focus that we had in using those federal funds wouldn't crush the district uh, when those funds uh, dried up. And and with that, what I mean by that is, you know, just hiring a, a ton of new personnel to uh, because we had this flush of money and not be able to sustain that uh, that series of hires or series of initiatives uh, because it because we are transitioning back to the the general fund budget. And is that so where you think, use the, the majority of the funding hiring additional staff? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yes and no. We did a lot of things, but we made sure that we worked in concert with our uh, union um, leaders so that when the funding dried up, we were not, the district was not put in a, in a bad place to be able to sustain those initiatives. So yes, some, some hiring of personnel did occur, some new programs did emerge, but uh, we did it in a way that protected the district in the future. That's good because they need to have that understanding. It's, it's very important because like you said, sustaining is the key. No one wants to have something come in and then uh, all of a sudden, woof, it's gone, right? Yes, and advantages yes. and, you know, that's key. I think most districts uh, would agree with this. So. Um, so from the business official side in reference to transitioning back to um, general fund, one of the big things that we had a discussion with our board and um, also making sure the community understood was we were not just going to reduce general fund and put everything into grants. So, um, I have people that are 
being paid out of the grants that I've already started building back in to my general fund. Um, one of the things that we are currently in the midst of completing is the review for the federal funds. Um, I think they're in group two or group B, whatever they're calling it. Um, and their questions, their list of questions um, that I printed out is over 30 pages of how did you do, what did you wow. do, attached documentation showing you did, um, and our transparency with the public, the requirement of actually putting things online so people could have a voice showing. Um, I actually created a financial spreadsheet to show what we spent in the first year, what I anticipate the next three years looking like, and then I will update that um, probably every six months to a year when it has to go back out so the public can fully see that transparency, which also makes it very easy to answer and fill in the questions um, from the state. Uh, we did do some summer school programs. Um, some of that will stay in place. Uh, some of that is also reducing, not because we're reducing it, but the need is no longer there, which is great, right? We were right. able to um, meet learning loss needs, uh, provide that for the students. And as it was no longer necessary, we kind of just shifted our um, thought process. So a lot of it has just been not reducing general fund uh, in huge amounts. Um, planning and expressing that and being transparent as we go through the budget process. And one of the things that I know it came up again um, this year is we had reduced some of our conference and travel and said, hey, we'll funnel this through grants. It fits in perfectly. And as we're budgeting for the 23-24 year, one of the big things that I'm saying is we are shifting this back into general fund because these funds will no longer be there and we still want professional development to happen, learning opportunities to uh, still be present. So we just, it's very transparent, right? Sometimes people right. are like, you're too transparent, but. <laughs> That's good. That's great. Yeah. Wow. And, and has yeah. your community, I mean, when, you know, when a community sees multi-million dollars coming into a district, there may be a lot of questions. I mean, I know you've been extremely transparent with putting all of this on your website and I'm sure communicating it in public session, but what has been the feedback from the community, if any? Um, I would say through the questionnaire. So uh, Dr. Graham created a questionnaire maybe two, I think it was at least two years ago. Um, and he puts that out through his blast. So it will go out through to text message, through email, and it provides anyone the opportunity to respond and provide input. People want to see students receiving more services, right? That's where the focus was really at. And we took those request and um, their thoughts and incorporated that in our plan. So as we've made amendments, those components have been inclusive of that. Or we've went back to our administrative team and said, hey, this is something that has been brought up. What are your thoughts? Is there a need? Um, and then we reply to those more so on the website. So everybody's getting the information at the same time. That's great. That's great. So winding down here, uh, we always like to offer an opportunity to our guests to just impart some advice to our listenership. And we have school business officials on our podcast that are brand new and that have been in the field for multiple decades. So maybe, Brian, starting with you, what piece of advice could you offer to those listening today? Yeah, I, th I think for superintendents, is, is it's going to be that constant work to build, you know, a positive relationship 
you know, that is uh, filled with trust and uh, a belief that we're all on a, on a pathway of continuous improvement. And when that relationship exists between the superintendent and the business official, um, only good things can happen as a result. Uh, with that said, I would also add that I think it's valuable for a school district to uh, use other resources to support the work of uh, the superintendent and the school business official. Um, I think, uh, to be honest, you know, I met John and Ruby years ago at a Forecast 5 Analytics um, oh, conference yeah. in Chicago, we right? We about that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a while ago. Right. But, you know, when you, when you look at a company that can provide uh, support for school districts uh, in the areas of finance, in the areas of understanding enrollment and trends in enrollment, understanding student achievement. Um, it's important to to take on those additional resources to support the work of becoming a championship school district. Uh, also, uh, Ruby and I use uh, Rick Timms Incorporated as an additional layer of support in, in, the, in the world of school business and finance. So when you find uh, good resources and good people uh, to collaboratively put their heads together and to, to have that collective thinking going on, um, we can only get better. That's cute. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and Ruby, how you about said you? It, you said it was right. cute? That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my cute. gosh. That's cute. <laughs> Welcome to our relationship. Right. <laughs> Um, I would say uh, to seasoned business officials as well as uh, anyone that's new, um, this profession is not what it was 10 years ago, right? And I think if you go back even further, it it looked a heck of a lot different. Mm -hmm. So um, just be prepared to continue to learn and continue to grow um, and know that you don't know it all, but through the support of, you know, the, this podcast, through our separate organizations, through collaborative organizations, like it is all doable, right? Um, I think anybody that came in during COVID, if you could survive COVID, you can literally survive anything. That is true. Yeah. We, we yep. say that across <laughs> well all said. branches That's right. with education, um, sure. that, that this is now hopefully the easier stuff. Um, and yeah, we're all here to support one another and the relationship between um, a business official and a superintendent, it being healthy and open and honest is very important, right? I've said for a long time, people leave districts for two reasons, money or relationship. Yep. And, <laughs> like, and the money has <laughs> to be really re great. At least relationship is good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, are you sweating? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, so like that lets you know, like having a solid relationship at a place where you definitely spend more than eight hours in a day, mm -hmm. um, especially with somebody that is the leader of the organization is important. And I'm appreciative of that here. Absolutely. Well said. And one final quick question, Brian, for those listening that aren't familiar with your podcast, where can they find more about achieving joy and mastery in public schools? Yeah, thank you so much. So we're pretty fortunate that it's uh, first, it, it's on a website called Buzzsprout, which is a very unique website to use for podcasting. Uh, but otherwise, you'll find it on your favorite podcast platform. That's Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and so Stitcher, so many of the other uh, podcast platforms that are out there, you should be able to find Achieving Joy and Mastery in Public Schools.
Wonderful. And for those listening on the SBO Perspective side of this joint podcast, I can't encourage you enough to tune in to Brian's podcast. It's it's phenomenal and really inspiring to hear what school districts are doing around the uh, the western portion of New York. It's uh, it's great to hear all the different programming and really achieving joy and mastery in public schools. So thank you both so much, Brian and Ruby. It was such a pleasure having you on. Yeah. And uh, we're excited us. to get this out to everybody. Great. Will any of you guys be at the NISCUS conference? Actually, uh, uh, Brady and I are presenting. So we yeah, will be there. all yeah. right. I'll yeah. check it out. I, I'll That's be right. there Sunday and it should be great. Oh, can't, I can't wait. I look forward to, uh, to catching up with you. So again, thank you both so much and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brian and Ruby today. It was a lot of fun to bring. It was great. Yeah. Two podcasts together under one. So uh, like like I said in the interview, those of you who might be interested, please tune into Brian's podcast, Achieving Joy and Mastery in Public Schools. It's just a really awesome look at a deep dive at what individual school districts and administrative leaders are doing to ensure that students are getting all that they deserve in, in public education. Yeah, I had to just add that there's always a great sense of synergy when we have these podcasts. Now, Ruby's on the board with us. Yep. You're familiar with Grant Allen, you know, Brian. Um, just having these folks on makes it so much easier. It was like an almost an effortless episode, yep. if you will. And, yep. um, you know, for us, this is also a big episode because that relationship is crucial. I think, as most folks point out, probably the biggest one um, to have, right, mm-hmm. um, is the SBO and superintendent. So um, we thank you all for continuing listening. And uh, we hope you enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.